Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. You may have heard in some of my previous episodes, me talk about big things, big years and big days especially. A big day is where a birder undertakes to find as many species of birds as they possibly can in a certain geographic area, say a county or a state, in one day. It's a big undertaking. You have to plan a lot. It's a huge effort. It takes up to 24 hours. But compared to a big year, it's nothing. In a big year, really a calendar year, a birder undertakes to find as many species as possible in that same geographic area, in a geographic area, in a calendar year. So, instead of an effort for 24 hours, it's a 365-day effort. Big deal. Well, big years have been a thing for a long time. Ken Kaufman uh, made a big year famous in Kingbird Highway, his book, uh, epic uh, coming-of-age book, uh, and that's a great read. Be sure you check that out, Kingbird Highway. But, in addition, other big years have been pretty well known. Sandy Comito set the record for the ABA area in 1987 with 722 species. That stood for 11 years until 1998. In 1998, three birders undertook a big year. And in retrospect, that's what the big year movie was about. The three birders were Sandy Comito, Greg Miller, and Alivanton, all of whom broke the ABA record that year. Their epic journey is well documented in both the book, The Big Year, which is definitely worth the read, and uh, the movie, The Big Year, which is a lot of fun, somewhat of a comedic caricature of a big year, but still gives you a general idea of the type of effort involved. This record that uh, Comito set in that year of 748 species uh, was considered that it might last a long time. In 1998, it was still possible to walk on airplanes. I mean, you could go to an airport, pretty much get on any flight anywhere, because flights weren't full. And so that really made getting around on short notice to chase rarities much easier to do than now when you go to an airport, it's tough to get a flight. They're all full. In addition, it was an El Nino year. So a lot of unusual species showed up in unusual places, making uh, tough birds to find. Code four, code 4 and Code 5 birds in, in the birders' lingo, uh, more likely. And so that was a record that was thought, oh my gosh, that could stand a long time. And it did stand a long time. But in, 19, excuse me, in 2016, four birders undertook a big year, and all of them ended up breaking Comito's record. My guest on episode number five, Christian Hagenlocker, undertook a big year with a limited budget. He was 26 years old at the time, ended up becoming the first birder to break 700 in the ABA, excuse me, the youngest birder to break the ABA record uh, of, of 700 species in a year, uh, and uh, was doing something called the Birding Project. Check it out. The Birding Project is uh, an undertaking to increase the social aspects of birding, introduce new people to birding, and hear people's birding stories. It's, it's a great project. You should definitely check it out. Uh, Laura Keene undertook to do a photographic big year where she was going to photograph as many species as possible in the, in the ABA area in one year. Uh, that she did. She also shattered the ABA record. Uh, she ended up with 762 species and photographed almost all of those. Uh, her efforts in that are well documented. I'll leave links in the podcast notes and also on my blog uh, post that I'll link to sync up with this episode. You should check that out at birdbanner.com. So both Laura and Christian broke the previous record with sort of asterisks. Laura's that she was really pursuing photography, which made it much more difficult to quickly see a bird move on. It's one thing to get a, to see a black-tailed gnatcatcher, and maybe another thing to get an adequate photograph of a twitchy little bird in the bushes. And Christian, being really focused on the birding project, and the big year was sort of a a part of that, but not the the absolute uh, biggest thing in the year. So neither of them were sort of balls to the wall, big year birding. They both put in fabulous efforts, but it wasn't the primary primary focus to get them absolute most species. Now the other two birders that year, Olaf Danielson and John Weigel, they were flat out doing big years and they made spectacular efforts. Uh, Danielson's is well documented in his blog. I'll uh, I'll put up uh, I'll put up a link to that in the podcast notes. And Weigel's was more 
behind the scenes, he didn't post to eBird, and so it's a little harder to tell how he was doing. But it was clear that they were both going to shatter the record and be right down to the wire in terms of who got the most species. Turns out that Weigel got 782 species, and Olaf Danielson got 778, both incredible numbers on an incredible effort in a huge El Nino year, and have set marks that are going to be tough to beat. Not that Weigel isn't up to trying again. In 2019, he's off on yet another ABA big year, and he does have a blog this time. I'll put the link in the podcast notes. You can follow his effort. Big listing efforts don't have to be a year long, though. Big days are really common. Uh, Bruce Labar and I uh, undertook last year to do a big day in Pierce County every month of the year, and we did that and had a really good time doing it. It was a modest effort, but not the effort it takes to do an ABA big year. Uh, uh, but So a big year can be defined any way a bird wants to define it. Uh, primarily, the geographic areas are what change. County big years are common. Uh, Bruce uh, held the Pierce County big year record he set in 2017 with 237 species. And, and Will Brooks, my, my guest on episode number 19, broke that record in 2018 with 244 species. So that's a high bar for our county. But every county has their big year birders, or most counties do anyway. Blair Burnson was my guest on episode number 18, and he's done several Washington State big years. And we talk a little on that episode about strategy and, and what it takes to do a big year, uh, and that was fun. John Sterling, my guest on episode number 10, did a California big year uh, and had great success in that. Uh, but it can really get even more exotic. Dorian Anderson was my guest on episode number five. Dorian did Biking for the Birds, a bicycle big year, where he started in New England, I think in Massachusetts, in G on January 1st, bike, bike south down to Florida, across the south, caught migration in, in uh, Louisiana and Texas, went all the way across, uh, up California, ended up going to, to uh, Colorado, all the way up to Washington State, uh, biked 17,830 miles in one year, almost 50 miles a day on average, and saw 618 species. You can read about his on his blog, Biking for the Birds, uh, and that he's writing a book about that, so stay tuned. Uh, watch out for that book. It's going to be a good one. He's a very good writer. Next year, John Patton Moss, uh, is going to do a unicycle big year. He's going to start out on a unicycle in Washington State and bike south and around the around the continent uh, in on a unicycle, trying to see as many birds as he can in a year. So it'll remain to see what people will do next. Are they going to pogo pogo stick around? I don't know. But anyway, uh, there have been some crazy stuff going on in big years. Well, this is all to introduce my guests this week, David and Tammy McQuaid have been doing lower 48 big years for the last several years. The lower 48, basically the 48 contiguous United States. Uh, that's considerably uh, a smaller area than when you include, include Alaska. Alaska gets a lot of Asian vagrancy. You just are highly unlikely to get the lower 48. So the, the numbers will be lower when you do a lower 48 big year. And 700 is a spectacular big year. Uh, and they're shooting for that this year. Anyway, uh, you'll notice that all of the above-mentioned birders are one-person efforts for big years. Well, Tammy and David are a couple. And David, work, they both work full-time. And uh, they are undertaking big years while working full-time, birding together as a couple in the lower 48. A great story. I think you'll enjoy it. So with that background... Here goes the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 27, with Tammy and Dave McQuaid. So, welcome, Dave and Tammy McQuaid, to the Bird Banner Podcast. Hi, guys. Hi, thank you for having us. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, what I'd like to do to begin is to hear you guys' birding story. I know that you've been doing these uh, lower 48 big years for several years, and we're going to get to that exciting stuff. But maybe we can begin by just uh, maybe, Tammy, first, you can tell me how you got into birding and some, some important milestones along the way. Well, as a little girl, my I was raised in Ohio, and my grandmother had a farm, and I remember sitting actually standing on her couch and looking out her picture window in the wintertime, and we would throw seeds out for the chickadees. And um, she had a little book that had, um, it was a field guide, which I still have today. And I would check off all the birds that I saw um, come to the seed. 
And that was really, cool. really my first birding experience. So you were a lister from the get-go. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Except I, I didn't, I, I did that when I was probably between the ages of five and 10 and then didn't really have any interest in birds again until just a few years ago. I mean, I've always loved nature, but as far as listing and really trying to figure out what I was seeing, that happened about seven or eight years ago. So, so, so what prompted that? Getting back to it. <laughs> well, um, we were empty nesters. Our children were all grown and out of the uh -huh. household and, um, we thought maybe we better find something in common again. And mm -hmm. so we watched the movie, The Big Year, which I guess oh, brings cool. a lot of people to birding. And Dave, Dave looked at me at the end of the movie and said, that looks like that'd be a lot of fun. And I said, yeah, it does. And he said, well, how about if we do a big weekend? And I was like, a mm -hmm. big weekend? And he said, yeah, we'll just see how many birds in the area we can see in over a long weekend. So over um, Martin Luther King holiday weekend, um, we uh, had a couple of our friends go with us. And we had one pair of mm -hmm. binoculars between the four of us and one <laughs> very dated um, camera. And uh, we went around to as many places as we could in those over that three day weekend to see as many birds as we could see. And I think we ended up maybe in the 90s. Um, very over cool. the for yeah, or newbies, that's spectacular. Well, 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 I'm sure half the birds weren't even identified correctly. I remember that we well, we kept okay. seeing female um, red winged blackbirds. And we, we swore mm -hmm. those were song sparrows. <laughs> I'm sure you had a song sparrow somewhere along the way, so it's not an extra species. <laughs> well, it was because you don't get song sparrows in Lee County, Florida, but uh, no. Oh, you don't. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, we've, we've come a long way since then. <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Good. Uh, and David, uh, tell me about your story. Well, I mean, basically, uh, I, I bought my first bird book uh, back in uh, uh, high school, and uh -huh. uh, a, a buddy and mine uh, were, were both photographers, and we just enjoyed going out and photographing birds. And uh, again, you know, similar to Tammy, we, you know, we had little boxes in the back of the book, and we'd go through and check them off as we saw them. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of fun. Uh, doing that but then you know we went off to college and you know came back and tammy and i got married and you know like tammy said we, we've always had a love of nature and you know we would go through and plan uh you know our our vacations always you know in national parks or or in woods or forests or something like that sure and and you know we would go through and you know you know i, I still remember you know, in, uh, you know, our first trip, uh, you know, up to uh, Glacier Park. I mean, we, we had set as a, we wanted to see the white-tailed ptarmigan. Uh-huh. But, you know, we saw it, we photographed it, and that was it. You know, you know, we, we, we never really kind of kept track of what we were seeing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we actually, ironically, we kept track of all of the mammals and things like that that we were seeing. But we uh -huh. never really kept track of the birds. And, and you know, literally, uh, when we watched the, you know, the movie The Big Year, it just resonated with me mm -hmm. that, you know, this is like a never-ending scavenger hunt. Exactly. And exactly. It, it was like, hey, this is something that you could do for one day. You could do it for a weekend. You could do it for a month. You could do it, you know, in your yard. You know, you could have a big day in your yard. You could have a big weekend in the county. You know, you could for slice sure. and dice it so many different ways. I thought, exactly. this is, you know, this is perfect for us. Yeah, this you is know, a new so, game every day. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we did it, you know, like Tammy said, we actually did our big weekend and uh, uh, took a lot of pictures, came back and identified, uh, you know, the birds by, uh, you know, by matching the pictures up to the book. And your matching works. Yeah. And it, it, it was, uh, it, it really clicked with both of us. We, we both thoroughly enjoyed doing it. And actually what we found was it created some tension between us because as she pointed out, we only had one camera Birding and we both wanted to take yes. pictures. 
Oh. Okay. And uh, that, that was remedied very quickly. Uh, we both ended up having cameras and we both had binoculars, uh, you know, shortly thereafter. That's good. And, and it really just kind of morphed from there. Uh, to where, you know, we, we started really, you know, diving into it. Uh, we were very fortunate, very blessed to, to be able to, uh, you know, hook up with some, uh, you know, incredible top-notch birders and, and I guess you would say top-notch teachers uh, to help uh-huh. mentor us. Really and, helps, uh, you know, it? oh, it was incredible. I mean, you know, uh, we're very fortunate that we had uh, Don and Lillian Stokes uh, spending the winter in our home County. Oh, nice. You can't ask for a better teacher than Don and Lillian. And I I haven't met them, but I've read their, I've seen their field guides. They've got to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they've got over 33, 35 field guides, whatever it is. I mean, they're, they're exceptional and as good of writers as they are, they're even better teachers. And, you know, to the County North of us, we had, uh, or we have, uh, Jeff Bouton, you know, from Leica Optics, and, mm-hmm. and again, another just incredible mentor to Tammy and I, and and it, it became very easy, you know, for for us to slide right in. Started learning about eBird, and you know, with uh, you know, with my financial background, the the statistical aspect of birding just really clicked. I mean, Tammy likes to joke. I, I've never met a bar chart I didn't like. Very nice. And yeah, and, and looking at, at yeah, looking at the the uh, the uh, the bar charts on uh, eBird for for bird distribution, I mean, I can look at those for hours and hours, and it just like I said, I just love doing that, and it's really helped us understand, you know, when and where we're going to see things. Exactly. In a in a big year, I mean, the whole trick is to. You obviously find some rarities, but get the common birds where they're common, when they're common. You know, you gotta, I mean, if if you're struggling to find birds out of, out of their common area, you're going to have a hard time, but you know, go to where the birds are supposed to be and you get them. (laughs) So you figure that out with the bar charts. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so you got into it in a hurry. I mean, I'm just going to read some of your uh, lower 48 uh, uh, year totals. In the 2015, you guys had 528 and 530 uh, species in the lower 48. 2016, you added 100 to that, 626 and 627. 2017, you had it together. You both got 653. Last year, you both had 681, and you already have 681 this year. I saw you got that rough you chased the other day. Yeah, we were very fortunate actually having lunch. And again, we've become very technology savvy and mm-hmm. uh, really utilize that to our advantage. And we were actually having lunch with another uh, couple that are birders, and it popped mm-hmm. up on our phones that the rough had been reported. And you know, we were uh, we were Off packed and ready to make the couple hour trek over within a matter of about fifteen minutes. That's you know, uh, I I had a, a guest on Blair Burnson as a friend of mine. I think uh, Blair might be who suggested I uh, contact you guys. But anyway, Blair's uh, rule number one in uh, any kind of a, a big year is uh, go now. And rule two is <laughs> if you don't go now, you Good can't rules. complain later because you could have gone now. <laughs> so Blair. Yeah, Blair's a great guy. We we've had the pleasure of birding with him uh, several times, and have yeah, thoroughly he, enjoyed birding with him. He is him. a really fun fellow and a very good birder. So he was on one of my previous episodes and is a, is a friend. So that's fun. He's here in Washington and doing that book uh, or getting ready to do that book of fifty birds in fifty states. With <laughs> anyway, I can't even remember the details, but it's pretty crazy uh, undertaking. Almost as crazy as doing a lower forty-eight big year every year. <laughs> So and, do and we're guys... doing that while we're working too. Uh, I I saw that. That is even more impressive. Uh, so you have a yes. We um, David is a um, certified financial planner and a portfolio manager at UBS Financial, and I work with him. I'm the I, I okay. manage our team. We have two other okay. um, employees on our team, and. Um, we have clients in close to or right around 40 states. And um, yes, and so we like to... Oh, so that helps. 
<laughs> and so we we have all Dave always yeah, traveled to see um, his out of state clients, maybe not every year, but a lot of years. And when we had our children at home, he would go by himself. And now again, now that our children are grown and out of the house and I'm working with him, sure. um, we have the luxury of being able to travel together. And most of our clients want to meet for lunch or dinner. Nice. And so that gives us our mornings and afternoons um, uh-huh. free to do whatever we want um, in between the meetings. And so we usually go back to the hotel room, throw on some birding clothes and and go find a place to bird. And if that means that we have to go visit clients in Minnesota in crazy. February and they think we're crazy, um, that's what we do. <laughs> I was I was guessing that you might t- you might time exactly. your visits around the best time to be in certain places for birding. I, I bet you have exactly. clients in Ohio, maybe in Ohio in in, uh, in May, and maybe in uh, Texas in the funny how and, and our in kids November, all live December. in yeah, and our kids all live in it's, California, so we like make a, a trip strategy. out west to California several times a year to see the kids, and they work, so they can really only spend time with us in the evenings. So that gives us the days maybe to they, to bird. And you probably time. Uh, yeah, it's funny how that trips. works. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I bet I bet it does. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, do you have some? Uh, first of all, how did you choose the lower forty-eight? I mean, big years are commonplace now. I do county big years, and Blair does state big years, and lots of people do ABA big years, and you know Noah Stryker did a world big year, but not that many people really target the lower forty-eight. Like it seems like you guys have. Maybe you that's, just don't have. That's that's pretty much that's what it is. <laughs> We have a couple clients now in Hawaii, so that would be we're, we're I would love to bird in Hawaii eventually, but um, this year we've we've set our, our goal to go to Alaska on a vacation. So we're actually going to take two weeks with no business, which is very unusual for us, and go Ooh. to Alaska and bird. And uh, so this year we're actually going to venture outside of the lower 48, but the lower 48 goal was simply because we have clients in the 48 states and we travel to see them so we can bird at the same time is how that all started. That that's makes a lot of sense now that you tell it now, now that you explain it. Very cool. Yeah, it, it really uh, wasn't anything that was deliberate. It was more just that's how our travels worked out for work. And, you know, we, we just went ahead and kind of ended up in lower 48 big years just simply because that's that's what our travel schedule was perfectly legitimate big year that varies much so but the energy guys must have i mean 15 16 17 18 that's five years in a row at least you've been doing this that is i mean i can't imagine it it is serious well we're getting tired You know, it's uh-huh. Dave is Dave and I both are really competitive people. We we whatever we do, we always try to do our best at. We we always try to win the game, you know, whatever. And so we make this a game and that keeps the drive kind of going because you want to do well, you want to beat your own goals, you wanna uh-huh. succeed at what you do. And um and we just really enjoy it. I mean, it is, I've always enjoyed the hobbies that we've had. We're scuba divers. We're, we like to go fishing. We're always on our boat. We um, play golf. So I've always enjoyed our hobbies, but I, I can honestly say none of them did I feel this passionate about or driven to do like, like I do birding. And I, and Dave happens to, I think, feel the same way. And so it just works out really well. Well, that is a beautiful thing, having a couple with relatively uh, balanced passion for birding. I mean, I, my wife died a while ago, but I, uh, she was a birder. She got me into birding, and I kind of eclipsed her in terms of passion for birding. And, and it's, we'd go together. It was great, but it can be friction, you know, when one part of a couple is really going full blast uh, birding and especially if you're a lister and doing big ears and that sort of thing and and the other is like <laughs> a little neglected maybe on the basis of that but uh, doing it to get ha- having a ba- that's unique I, I, yes. it may not be unique but it's certainly wonderful 
that you guys have. Uh, well, I think the better way to put it is we both are out of balance when it comes to our birding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There I, you go. I, I think you know, out of balance in the same direction is yes, imbalance. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> a, a different kind of balance. A different kind of balance. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, in the in the five years now you've been doing this, you've kind of improved every year, uh, uh, which is spectacular also. Uh, I'm sure in part strategies get better, you become better birders, all of that. Uh, but still, uh, it's impressive that you keep getting better and better. Uh, you must have some great stories along the way. Come up with two or three stories. Uh, take turns telling me some stories about, you know, Um, Well, I think one of the coolest things that happens to us is we run into people that we know everywhere we go. And um, it can be in, you know, we were in the middle of, um, we were outside in between Palm Springs and Las Vegas in the desert. And we'd seen some, yes, and we'd seen some e-bird points um, for a chucker. And we didn't have a chucker last year. And so... We rented a four-wheel drive Jeep, and we went about 25 miles off of the road down this wash, and we were trying to find these eBird points, and we looked off in the distance, and we could see a guy Mm -hmm. way out in the middle of nowhere in the distance, and and I said, I'm not sure, but it looks like he might have binoculars, and maybe that's the guy who's posting the chucker. And so we drove, you know, all around and down and this wash and finally made it over to him. And we pulled up and I rolled my window down and he said, Dave and Tammy McQuaid. And I looked at him and said, do we know you? And, and he said, no. And I said, well, then how do you know us? And he said, because I don't know anybody else crazy enough to follow me out here. And it, it was um, Jake Momond, and um, he's a biologist, and he was out there Moment. working, and he was able to put us on the um, – the chucker that day and you know you know who knows you're gonna who who knows who you're gonna run into um in those kind of situations it takes i remember we were a couple years ago we were down in um in uh, the rio grande valley Uh and we had uh uh, the day before we had seen the uh, uh, the amazon kingfisher that had showed up cool yeah, yeah. I'm just a phenomenal bird, and we went back the next day with a friend to to find it, and the kingfisher had kind of moved off of the spot that he had been hanging on for for a couple of days, and there was a whole group of people there, and uh, you know, Tammy and I had kind of split up, and I uh, you know yelled back to Tam that 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 you know that I was on the bird. And, uh, you know, we always, whenever people are around us, we, you know, whether they're birders or not, if there's something good around, we try and, we try and get people on it. Show it. Sure. Yeah. We just love doing that. And, and she said, uh, Dave's got the Kingfisher, you know, down, uh, you know, downstream a little bit. And the guy was like, what's your name? And she said, Tammy. And he said, and your husband's David. And, and she said, yeah. And, and he said, I've been following you guys. You're Dave and Tammy McQuaid. I've been following you all on eBird, and I'm going behind your checklists and looking at all of your <laughs> getting out here. You guys are famous, you know, famous. Well, I don't know about that, but or I think it, the birding community. Yeah, yeah, the birding infamous. community is just a small, tightly knit community. You know yeah. that you know you just you know you, you tend to meet everybody that likes to chase. Sooner or later. And Sooner you know, you keep running into people over and over and over again, and you find that that you know, just like we go through and we look at other people's checklists and we'll read co- you know their comments and everything like that. People right. are doing that with our checklists, so we try and be cognizant of that. We try and give you know maybe a little bit better directions on where this rare bird was found if it's if it's not real apparent. Sure. Um, you know, we just got the blackface grass quit, uh, you know, a couple of days ago down in the, the Keys. And, uh-huh. you know, I was very clear in my checklist to say it was right in the parking lot. You know, so people yes. knew exactly where that, we found that it. That sort of thing is very helpful. Yes. E-birders in general uh, are pretty good about that. Uh, I, I would say on our state uh, listserv, maybe more explicit. 
but still, uh, it's really helpful to have great directions. Uh, my my best birding buddy Ken Brown and I, uh, he he always uh, said, if we get good directions, not just you know, but get <laughs> it like if if you can mark the X on the spot, that's that's what you really want. You want to get exact directions, so that's really helpful. And you guys uh, living in Florida, you've got you know four or five tough birds a year. Uh, that's in your relative backyard. Uh, it's been a it's been a fabulous twenty nineteen so Good far this year. We've had thick build vireo, western spindalis, dark build cuckoo, black face grass quit, um, key red legged thrush, key west. Key West quail dove, Zenata dove. So oh, we've I remember we've, that. we've yes. had an awesome, awesome um, year um, this year with um, <laughs> code four and five birds coming into the state. Oh, Actually, yeah. it has been great. We came real close to having a uh, a coded grand slam. To my knowledge, I don't think anybody's ever accomplished this. At least I've never heard of anybody accomplishing it. But literally in one afternoon, it wasn't even a full day, in an afternoon, we had a Code 5 red-legged thrush. Mm-hmm. We had a Code 4 uh, Key West quail dove. We had a Code uh-huh. 3 uh, Bahama mockingbird. Uh-huh. We had numerous Code 1 birds. We spent the uh-huh. last 45 minutes of sunlight trying to scrounge up a Code 2 so we could have every coded bird there and we were never able to scrounge up a code two. Oh, that's crazy. That's You should have stumbled on that. Uh, but you, you, exactly. you spent, you spent too much time Probably. looking for specific birds in specific places. If you just birded them <laughs> a couple of extra hours, you'd have had three of them probably. Yeah. Very good. Uh, just for listeners who don't know, the codes of birds uh, are relatively how likely they are to occur. I think code one means if you go birding, you can't miss them. Code two means you're likely to see them every day. Code three means they're seen every year, but not very often. Code four means a lot of years they're seen, but not every year, yeah. and they're pretty darn hard to find. And code five means less than right. five sightings in a certain area, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yep. I'm I'm on in. Maybe not exact, yes, but I'm in the ballpark. Yes. I believe you're right. So, so getting uh, getting code five birds is really yes, hard. yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, actually, Although, I almost forgot we had the uh, the Antillean palm swift a couple weeks ago. Yes, another. You know, yeah. Only the second right. time in, in, it ever reported in uh, the United States. Yeah, bird I'd never even heard of before. I saw <laughs> we that. hadn't either. ABA, ABA hotline. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So uh, you guys have a boat. So you you do some pelagic birding in the Gulf. Is that right? We love pelagic birding. And, and actually, we just got a new boat. Uh, they uh, We ordered it last uh, spring, and we got it last fall. Uh, it's uh, specifically designed for the Gulf of Mexico, uh, which is where we live. <clears throat> uh, you know, when, when you look at places like, uh, you know, California and you know, Monterey Bay and everything like that, where you go out one or two miles and you've got 10,000 sooty shearwater out there. That's uh-huh. not the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, the yeah. Gulf of Mexico is vast expanses of wasteland, uh, yes. followed by clusters of birds following bait. So, oh, okay. you know, when, when, when we do our pelagics out in the Gulf, uh, we typically will will run in a normal day between 230 to 285, 90 miles in a day. Oh, so you are screaming around in a boat. I mean, we, you know, we, yeah, we call it running and gunning. Uh, uh-huh. on, on calm seas, our boat will top out around 53, 54 miles an hour. So you got uh, you must have a big gas tank. <laughs> we have a 300-gallon gas tank. Uh, yeah. So it... Um, you know, when we do these trips, we usually try and get a few people to help share the expense. Sure. Uh, but the the real the real key to our our new boat is we we've got new electronics, and we spent a lot of time researching the electronics, mm-hmm. and uh, has a new radar system out that is just incredible. Uh, you can all find of the re- birds with it. Yes, you can. Oh my and, and, and actually, uh, so far, like I said, you know, I'm still kind of learning uh, the nuances of it. 
But I mean, I can sit there and tell you that at, at one and three quarter miles, there are three birds heading towards the boat. Oh my uh, I mean, and it is, it, it, it's, it's a real cheating. It, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's a real game changer. I mean, we did our first full blown pelagic at the end of June. Uh, because like I said, you know, needless to say, we haven't been able to spend a lot of weekends home this year. Uh, but we, we did a pelagic, uh, with, uh, Dr. Michael brothers from the, uh, Marine Science Center and uh, our good birding friends, Ari and Jennifer Warren. And uh, we were out there and literally I, I would look on the radar and say, there's a big flock of birds two miles, you know, to our south. And we would make a turn and go down there and find this huge flock of birds, you know, feeding on bait. And historically, that's something that you just would you know, we couldn't do. Yeah, you know, and, and again, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, this is this is overkill for you know for you know California and in particular places like Monterey, but in the Gulf, you know, this is a real game changer. And what we've really thoroughly enjoyed about golf pelagics is mm-hmm. the fact that when we started uh, running golf pelagics back in 2014, uh-huh. um, there was literally no eBird data out there. Nobody was running them. We had no clue what to expect. We had no clue what we were going to find. We had no clue about the seasonalities. Uh, it was literally, you know, we call it the last birding frontier in the lower 48 because everything else was pretty well known. So you're writing the book on that. That's really it, cool. It really is. And, and like I said, I mean, you know, you know, when you go through and look at the amount of information we've been able to supply, it, it's, it's funny because now you look at some of the distribution charts that you see in some of the, uh, the bird books and stuff like that, and we know they're wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because the fact that, uh, you know, you look at something like a sooty tern, and they say that, you know, they're, they're rarely, you know, out there. And, you know, I can tell you that, you know, from late, late spring to early fall, I mean, we see them every trip and we see them in quantity. You know, yeah. so it's, it's just un- unburdened. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, you know, we, we've just thoroughly loved it. We've kind of developed a, uh, uh, a, a methodology to, uh, you know, to be for Tammy to be able to, uh, to photograph at high rates of speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. Be, yeah. Because what we do so is we she like can take to take pictures when you're going 50 miles an hour. Yep. Yeah, you think you think it's challenging to photograph a little warbler in a tree. It's <laughs> that's a breeze compared to trying to photograph a bird at fifty miles an hour in a find an boat, area so. that has speed bumps. Try going over the speed bumps at at thirty forty miles an hour and take pictures out the window. Yeah, I'm gives sure. you a little bit I of an imagine. idea. <laughs> I can, you know, I I think. I think you guys need to write an article for the ABA uh, magazine or something on the, on just th- some of the technical stuff. I, I'm guessing nobody knows this. Well, and what's, what's fun is, is the fact that when you go out in your typical pelagic, and we, we've done pelagics literally all over the country, because like I said, we love mm-hmm. doing them. You know, you, you typically, you'll see birds and they fly by. Yeah. And, you know, and if they fly by and don't circle back around, that's They're it. Gone. Gone, in yeah. our boat, we'll see a you bird, and and we will we we've gotten to where you know we can run parallel to the bird to where the bird doesn't veer off or anything like that and doesn't right. seem to affect them, and we can just you know match their speed, and you know fire away and get as many photographs as we you know as we want. I would love it if after after we finish, you can send me uh, some information on what uh, what equipment you use the type of boat the type of uh sure. radar that sort of thing and uh, maybe even a picture of your boat or something like that and i'll uh, put those i write a blog post to go with each episode and uh, i'd love to sure enter that information so people can check it out i think that is that is beyond cool i mean just yeah, it, it, it's really cool i love it i love it this winter i'm going to spend a month in south texas and next winter my brother uh, winters in florida i'm going to spend a month in florida and i am going to look you guys up and share some of the expense of, share the expense of one of these trips that sounds too cool love too to take cool. you out <laughs> is is it uh, do you bird year round in the in the gulf or is it mostly a summer thing you know the, we get different things at different times of the year the winter is you know as you get into late fall, that October, November, early December, it can be pretty decent for shearwaters. 
Uh, and you know, you're going to have your Jaegers out there. Probably mm -hmm. the, the, the worst time of the year is that January, February, March time period, because it can be kind of rough out there. Oh, okay. And so the key nice with, calm, yeah, with, if you take pictures, calm water is going to really help. Yeah. Well, and because we've got to travel such distance to really, you know, you know, find these birds. Yeah. We, we've got to have some decent seas. I mean, you know, we're not going to go out in three foot seas because we'll just beat, beat everybody beat up your, and yeah, beat yourself up and yeah. wreck your boat. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. No. So tell me about your trip to Alaska. You go, is this going to be your first trip to Alaska? Your first real birding trip? We actually took our kids when they were are little get, to Alaska, and but this will be our going? first real birding trip. So we're really excited. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we're flying into Anchorage and we've planned a, yes, um, a trip down into Kenai Fjords, um, hoping to get the Kitslet murrelets down there. Okay. Um, and, and then we're going to go with, um, wings wow. and do a tour with a tour group and go up to Nome and then to gamble for a few days. Wow. And then so we'll fly back to Anchorage three, and then we're going so on to St. Paul for a few days. Okay. No, it's two weeks, and uh, yep, and oh. so we're oh, we're just sure. really excited because we're going to get a lot of life birds. We just know it, and um, and it's so, it's the one so you'll, you'll area get, of the U.S. Get, uh, that we've just not birded or spent a lot of time. So we're real excited so to get this opportunity. Cool. Beyond cool. It sounds terrific. Yes. It sounds terrific. Yes. Now, yes. Sounds we're like we're excited. It's I mean, going to be awesome. Like you both have cameras, but I get the feeling that you're the the <laughs> person who excels at photography of the couple. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if I excel, but it's definitely the thing that I enjoy the most out of all of it is not only finding a new bird, but being able to get a, a nice picture of the bird. And so I'm very fortunate. My husband um, surprised me what and bought me use? a really nice um, lens a couple years ago. And um, so, Zoom. Uh -huh. um, well, pelagic birding, I use a one to oh, 400 um, zoom, nice. but I, but I have a 500 fixed F4. Yes, and um, and it's it's awesome. I build up good strong arm muscles uh -huh. carrying it around, but um, no, I don't. I I don't like what the teleconverter does to the pictures. I feel it degrades them just enough, and I would rather I've have never, a I've good picture of a bird far away cool. than a fuzzy picture of a bird up close. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And so that's, that's the thing that I enjoyed. I've, I never did photography of any kind. Dave was always the photographer until we started birding. And, um, I love the challenge of, especially in, on pelagic trips. I love the challenge of trying to get good pictures. So. Well, that's a, yeah. a cool thing. That is really cool. Well, and I, I got to brag that. on her. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. She, she, when you see, you know, the size of the 500 millimeter lens, I mean, it's a huge, heavy lens. I think I Yet, saw a picture. Is that the lens she's carrying on her uh, yes. uh, eBird uh, yes. profile photo? I mean, That's it's, it. a, it's a monster. It's a monster. You, and, you and she, off, woman. she My has goodness. gone ahead and, she takes that up to go get the snowcocks where you're hiking from 8,600 feet up to 10,000 feet. And she's taking it for the Kalima warblers. And, you know, she's taking it up hike. Hunter Canyon That's... to go get the Rufus Cap warbler down in Arizona. Oh I mean, gosh, I whine and are... complain about taking my one to 400. Yeah, you are awesome. That is fabulous. Tammy, wow. you are spectacular. You. Way cool. <laughs> Way cool stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, so you go to Alaska. Uh, what do you have left to do this year in your your lower forty eight big year? You've got six hundred eighty one species. You've obviously, well, we've, obviously gotten around. We've set a goal for ourselves. We wanted to beat last year's numbers for the lower forty eight, which we have now. 
Um, and so we have decided that, and typical of us, we set a goal. And when we, when we meet that goal, if there's still time left, we increase the goal. <laughs> so this year we would love to get over 700 in the ABA. So we're going to work real hard at that in our free time um, to try to get a few more birds in the lower 48. And, um, and then everything else is just kind of cake, you know, we're just happy with whatever we get. You're already on dessert. Are there any specific areas you've yet to go that are likely to yield some birds? Have you done all the pelagics and that sort of thing? We actually have a, there are, there are several things we've already got scheduled. Um, so we actually leave Friday night uh, to go to, uh, to Texas for the Mexican violet ear. We, we've made okay. arrangements to yes. go to uh, the gentleman's property on uh, Saturday Very morning. Cool. Uh, then, uh, we're going for the buff breasted sandpiper that are over, uh, in Texas right now. Okay. Uh, and Tam, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think two Friday nights from now we leave work and we hop on a plane and we go out to, uh, to California for a, uh, pelagic out of San Diego, uh, where we've got a couple, uh, species that we can, uh, still get like the Coveris yeah, Muralette and least, uh, exactly. storm petrels. Yes. Uh, yes. You you have black already? Uh, oh, yeah. We got uh, lots of black uh, on the Ventura so, Pelagic. Okay. So you've been uh, out of, uh, yeah, relative yeah. Southern California already. Yep. And then okay. we've got uh, we got a couple trips set up uh, 1st of October with uh, Debbie Shearwater. Uh, again, our big year wouldn't be complete without, uh, without spending uh, at least one trip with Debbie. Well, this will be your last uh, yes. complete big year then, I think. That's that's the reason why we're <laughs> you know we're doing we're not sure if there's really anything we're gonna get. Uh but we thought, you know, since it's Debbie's last year, we uh we wanted to go ahead and uh, have her as part of our big years. We we think very highly of Debbie. And Good then uh, uh we've got uh, we we've also got a pelagic set up with the uh, Brookline Club in Boston in uh late September. I've heard those are really yes. tough trips. They have to go way out, don't they? They go way out, and and lots of times they get canceled. So far, we're o for three or o for four yeah. with going out with them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, what, that's what I've heard. Yeah, uh, the weather just is lots of times just not very good. Yeah, uh, and don't you leave at like three in the morning or something yep. and go a hundred miles out? I I. I I, my family's from Maine and I go back every year to visit and uh, keep thinking I should take one. Maybe not. It's I actually a, yeah, it's actually a 36 hour trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's a one right, day of exactly. on a 36 hour trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it somehow doesn't sound like fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty fun to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys are better on the ocean than I am. I still, uh, I get by with my Meclizine and my perfect diet and eyes on the horizon. And most of the time I don't get sick, but it's a, it's a little bit of a struggle for me. <laughs> well, we, uh, we love it. And like I said, you know, there's still a fair amount of birds. There's a few birds that we can get, you know, around the country and, uh, we're working on game plans to, you know, to try and clean up a few more of these birds. So we're, we would love to be able to hit 700 in the lower 48. It's going to be tough. I, I think you've got time. You'll, you'll do it. Yeah, you know, I've got confidence in you. We, we got to have a good fall and a good, you know, good, good winter there. Uh, a good November, yeah. December. Yeah. And, and yeah. because we work, everything that we do has to be, for the most part, really planned well. And the birds have to stick. I mean, we couldn't yeah. get to the Mexican yeah. violet ear. Um, when it first showed up. So we've had to schedule it for this weekend and whether it's still going to be there or not, we don't know. So that's the disadvantage of working when you're doing a big year. It is. I am so happy. I'm mostly retired. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a, fa I'm a family doctor. I worked, uh, you know, full time for many, many years and kind of birded when I got a chance. And, and, uh, about three years ago, I, I, almost retired. I work three or four days a month, but I mostly can go when I want to go where I want to go. So yeah, it's pretty nice. That's awesome. Makes it nice. It is very nice. It is very nice. I, I'm still not doing an ABA big year. <laughs> <laughs> you need to try it. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't think, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, uh, you know, I've, yeah, 
it, it sounds awesome for the right personality, and that personality is probably not me. But, you know, I, I could morph. We'll see. I, I could go over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, do, do you have any uh, advice you want to give to people who are interested in doing a big year? What, would you, what advice would you give? Yeah, I, I think my advice would be uh, to, to really spend time, think through when you're going to get the birds and where you're going to get them and have a game plan. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of, of planning things out and, and trying to have, you know, the odds in our, uh, in, in our favor. I mean, like Tammy said, we, we don't have time that we can waste because, you know, we're a, a lot of what we do is either at night uh, or on the weekends, unless we're traveling, you know, to see our clients. And then, then we're still governed by, by whenever our client meetings are, which, you know, is dictated by whatever the client wants. So, it, it, you know, we don't have a lot of time to, to spare. So planning is critical. You know, use technology, you know, learn the bar charts of when birds are going to be in an area. Uh, use Facebook groups to, uh, to get to know people in an area and, and ask questions. And, you know, that, you know the beauty is, is, is that we've, you know, been able to go through and, you know, we've got friends literally all over the country and, and earlier this year, when, when we were running through Washington, uh, after doing a repositioning cruise, you know, I had emailed Blair and, and said, hey, Blair, you know, I, I've got three or four targets here. Help me out. Where, where's the, you know, the easiest place to get these? And, and he wrote back and said, hey, this is where you go. And, and you know, it, 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 you know, it was a layout. Yeah, I would, I, well, so, I would say what, social media is definitely... Um, uh, you know, very important and just creating a network of people that you can call and uh, that are from those different areas. And it really helps you find the birds. But in addition, it's just great. I mean, to me, that's been the greatest part of this big year is all the great people and wonderful, friendly people that we've met and friends, people that we now consider friends that we would have never met otherwise. So um, I think, you know, it's, it's that network of friends that's the, that the best part of a big year. It is unusual to find a bird who's a jerk <laughs> and really calm and wonderful people. It, it's it, been my experience. I mean, most people are it pretty It really good. is. And, and it's amazing how you can spend a, an after, a day on a boat with somebody and you've made a lifelong friend. And you don't, you don't have that in too many other hobbies. I mean, you know, we used to play golf and you'd go out on a golf course and they'd pair you up with a couple people and you'd play a round of golf and you'd probably never hear from those people ever again. But in birding, you might remember the might remember the name. Yeah, but in home. in birding, you lucky. stay in contact, and you're, you know, it's 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 the best part of birding is the network of people. It is. You mentioned social media. My experience, and and I am not the best on social media. I'm certainly I use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to some degree, uh, but. Uh, uh, it seems like Facebook rules in terms of uh, the social media activities of birders with groups and that sort of thing. Is that your experience too, or do you use I would, other? Yeah, I, I would say eighty percent. It's Facebook. Uh, as you go around the country, uh, you know, Facebook is is the predominant uh, methodology that 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 is used. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, during the biggest week up in Ohio, Twitter rules. That's, and, that's, and I've heard of that. And interestingly enough, down in southeastern Florida, WhatsApp ha, ha, has taken over. Really? How does that yep. work? Uh, I mean, literally. I mean I, it, I mean, I know how to do messages on Facebook, <laughs> um, WhatsApp, but I have a daughter in Costa Rica, and we I love to hear her voice, so we send a little WhatsApp to each other. But uh, but I I how does that is it a lot like Twitter in terms of uh, you have a handle or something a hashtag or? Well, yeah, actually, uh, they they've got uh, they've got a group set up for South Florida birding and for uh, Palm Beach birding. And okay. uh, you ask the person that controls the group to to add your phone number. And okay, literally, so get, it, it, it comes through like a text. It get, it get a text message, essentially, when a good bird is, is posted. So I, if I'm on WhatsApp, I would send a message to that 
phone number, that handle or whatever it is, uh, and that would instantly notify me on my phone. Yeah, the, you, you put it out there and everybody who's on oh, that wow. WhatsApp gets the message. So you could have... You could have a hundred people in oh, WhatsApp cool. and they send out a message and say dark build cuckoo at this park right now. And all hundred of us get the message at the same time. Well, it's, it's perfect. We have a, you know, a much lower, uh, lower level of technology. We have right, our Pierce County right. text group that we use for that. Uh, but WhatsApp would be a perfect solution for that. Yeah, that is great. It is because that wow. way you don't have to pull up your Facebook account to see and read through everything, you know, what's going on. It, it just, I mean, literally, like I said, we were out to uh, to lunch with our friends Erie and Jennifer Warren when when the WhatsApp post came out that, uh, that a rough, you know, was out in uh, uh, Palm Beach County. Wow. Yeah, so very it made it cool. very quick and easy to uh, to hop in and uh, you know drive on over and you know pick it up. And it's easy to ignore emails for a few hours, but messages you seem to get exactly. they somehow drag you right <laughs> to them instantly. <laughs> it might be yes. important. Yes. It, it might be important. I better check it. Hopefully, I'm not driving. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so uh, how can people reach out to you? Uh, sounds like you have a Facebook page, and and what what is? Do you each have your own Facebook page, or do you have a, a McQuaid's <laughs> Lore Forty Eight Big Year Facebook? Um, we page just have our own personal do? Facebook pages out there. Um, David is David McQuaid, and okay. mine's under. Tammy Powell McQuaid, and they anybody who wants to reach us can message. Okay message us through Facebook or, or reach um, out there. Yeah. Send a post to us and um, we're happy to reach out to anybody who has questions. That sounds perfect. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. You guys have been the bomb today. I swear. I've just had fun talking to you. I've learned a lot of things and uh, I wish you all the best in your big year this year. Are you going to do it again next year? Um, probably not, <laughs> but, um, we, we'll still travel to see clients. Um, I mean, we definitely have set a goal where we, we don't want our year to fall below 600 ABA birds in a year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so be, I don't know that we'll, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I don't think we'll probably go back to Alaska next year, but I never say never with this guy. He's always planning stuff, and yeah. I'm just kind of along for the ride. He's so. the idea guy. Well, <laughs> that's right. And I just like Very the cool. idea that nobody had ever seen four or six hundred birds four years in a row. Yeah. So I mean, now it's I, like, well, can we make it five years? Can we make it six years? Yeah, maybe it can make it twenty years. You know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, right now we still have a fair amount of energy, and 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 really, with with good planning, six hundred birds is not that difficult to get. No, I mean you've got to travel. Obviously, you can't get them in any one state. I guess California, you can almost do that, uh, but but. Uh, it would be a lot more work than going around the country, that's for sure. Uh, well, and, um, you know, we, we did a talk recently for the Sanibel Captiva Audubon, and we talked about how you could do 600 birds the easy way. Mm -hmm. And literally, you can target just a handful of states and come up with and be there for a few days right. and come up with 600 birds in your year very easily. You, you so. could. Did, did you guys ever, you must have seen the book, Cooper wrote a book a long time ago, 650 species on a budget in the, in the United States. Do you, did you, have you no, I never book? saw that. No, it, it, it was, it was my book to learning how to get around the country and do birding. It's a great book. It's written okay. before, before eBird. I'll, I'll send you guys an email with the, with a link to it, but it's, uh, okay. it's, it's, I think it's in the lane series. I'm not sure, but it's, it's kind of looks like that with it's blue and it's got the little spiral thing, but it has, it has, uh, all through the year in January, you go here, the end of January, you go there, you spend five days here. This is where you can stay. This is what it should cost. This is how you budget. It gives an exact route to take. It's a terrific resource. It's still, I mean, it's 25 years old, maybe you're older and it's still valid. The routes still work. I still use it. If I'm going to go to a place, I say, I better check and see. Yeah, that was one of his. And so he has, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 or so trips to take in a year and you can get 650 species. And, you know, taking that route now with eBird, you probably get 700. I mean, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Uh, awesome. 
Yeah. So way cool. Anyway, thank you both so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best with the finish of your big year. Finish strong now. Don't let down. We will. Uh, and uh, and uh, stay in touch. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being Absolutely. my guest today. Thank you thank so you. much for pleasure. having us. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. That wraps up the Brit Banner Podcast, episode number 27 with Tammy and John McQuaid. Please leave a uh, rating and review on the iTunes store, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast feeds. And again, thanks for listening. What a great story the McQuaid's have. Until next time, good birding, good day. <laughs>